a lot of people, when they enter the marriage covenant, enter very lightly, just like what you heard. You see, there are a lot of couples who enter the marriage union and they have wrong thinking. It's supposed to be holy matrimony. It's supposed to be something, a covenant before God Almighty. But people enter this thing lightly with wrong thinking. And here's what happens to so many couples is many couples buy into the lies of our spiritual enemy, Satan. And what happens is when you buy into the lies and you heard many of those lies that our spiritual enemy feeds so many people, your, your marriage, your future marriage will crash and burn. And what I want to do today is I want to give you five wedding crashers. We're going to look at Proverbs chapter 5 as our primary portion of scripture and text today. And I want to give you five Wedding crashers, five lies the spiritual enemy feeds so many couples and causes marriages to crash and burn. The first one is this. Build your marriage on Hollywood principles. Build your marriage on Hollywood principles. And, and Hollywood feeds you and I so many lies about marriage. Our, our spiritual enemy, he, one of the number one devices that he uses to lie to us, to, to shape a wrong image about marriage into our minds is, is media, is, is the movies. And many people have bought into Hollywood principles and their their marriage is is suffering one day their future marriage will suffer you see friends today you're you you have to not listen to hollywood principles but principles from from the word of god and and i want to share with you out of proverbs chapter 5 what what god's word says regarding life and 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 marriage and 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 the advice that we should be taking the bible says my son pay attention to my wisdom pay attention to the wisdom of, of god not hollywood principles listen well to my words to the words of god to my words of insight that you may maintain discretion and your lips may preserve knowledge. You have to listen to God's words, the words of God and not Hollywood principles. And here's what the deal is. Marriages get into trouble when people don't pay attention, when people don't listen to God's word and God's advice. And hear me, your marriage today, your future marriage is either being built on the sand or the rock. It's a great question to ask yourself. The sand or the rock? The Word of God says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, Therefore, everyone who hears these words, or God's words, words is what the Scripture is referring to, hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Everybody shout rock. Notice that you, you put God's Word into practice in your life, in your marriage. You're building it on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Trouble came, difficult times came, but the marriage was able to stand because it was on the rock. Verse 26 goes on to say, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice, they don't practice God's word, they practice Hollywood. Principles. It's like a foolish man who built his house 
on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. It was a wedding crasher because it was built on the sand instead of the rock. And friends, there are so many marriages today that are being built on sand instead of the rock. They're being built on Hollywood principles. Let me share with you a few examples of building a marriage on sand principles. Here's a sand principle. Love is a feeling. Sand. Love is about an emotion. It's about a, a feeling. And Hollywood portrays it. It's just about a feeling and an emotion. But friends, when you study God's word, a rock principle is love is a commitment. It's, it's not about a feeling. Can I tell you? Feelings come and go. Feelings are up and down. I'm not married to my wife because of feelings. I, I'm married to her because I made a commitment before God. I made a covenant before God. And it doesn't matter how I feel on a certain day. I, I have a covenant with God. I'm committed to my marriage because love is not about a feeling. It's about a commitment. Let, let me share another sand principle with you. It's all about me. It's all about what I want. When I want it, how I want it. If we're going to stay in this marriage, you better give me what I want because it really is all about me. And the rock principle is it's all about sacrifice. The Bible says we should serve one another. We should submit to one another. The Bible says things like the two become one flesh. It's no longer all about me. We're one flesh and we're here to honor God in this marriage union. It's not about me. It's about how I can serve you and bless you and minister to you and help you. The two become one flesh. Not about me. It's about sacrifice. Another sand principle is false expectations. And the movies are so good at glamorizing marriage. They, you know, this, this knight comes in shining armor and he rides in on the white horse. <laughs> And he picks up the beautiful princess, puts her on the horse, and they ride off into the sunset, just happy and perfect and wonderful. That's sand principles. That, that's false expectations. Let, let me give you the rock. The rock is this. It's realistic expectations. When you study God's Word, when you study married couples in the Bible, I mean, they had difficult times, they had good times, they had troubling times. I mean, when you look at marriages in the Bible, it shows you the raw, rugged reality of what a marriage looks like. You cannot go into mar a marriage with false expectations. You have to have realistic expectations. And oftentimes when couples are dating, they have a lot of unrealistic expectations. You know how it is when a Guys dating a girl, he won't oftentimes even pass gas in front of her. And she's sure not going to pass gas in front of him, huh? Clinch! What's wrong, baby? Oh, nothing. Everything's good. I, I was talking to one person this week, and, 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 and she told me before her and her husband got married that he wouldn't do number two while she was around. Some of you don't know what number two is. Number one, number two. Okay. I don't need to explain. Okay. She wouldn't do number two while he was around. He, he wouldn't do number two while she was around. He would wait till he got back home to do number two. And now that they're mar married, how many know that a homeboy is blowing up the house? How stinking it up. How leaving, leaving tread marks all in the toilet. How toilet lid lifted off. I'm just being real. 
false expectations. You got to be realistic about about marriage when you look at God's word. Realistic expectations. Here's another sand principle: marriage is easy, and it's amazing how Hollywood can take a marriage in in an hour and a half. They can get married and have 50 years together in the end of the movie. An hour and a half and beautiful music. Marriage is just, just, just easy. And friends, the rock is marriage is hard work. You get out of marriage what you put into it. It takes work. If you want to have a successful, God-honoring marriage, it will take hard work. It's not, it's not easy. It's work. A, 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 another sand principle is, is this. Marriage is all about sex. That's what some people believe. Marriage is all about sex. Let me give you the rock principle. No, it's not. <laughs> Enough said. I, I had somebody tell me this, and I highly respect it. When I was growing up, somebody that I respected told me this. said, marriage is 90% of it's about sex. How many know that person was a fool? I mean, that's, that's foolish thinking. Marriage is not all about sex. And some of you may be single and you're, you're ready to get married. You're dating somebody and you're thinking, ooh, we got to get married up because I don't know. Uh, you might be the one, you might not, but, but we need to get married because I'm burning. I, there's a quiver in my liver. We need to get married. We gotta have sex. And you're gonna be awfully disappointed. Because marriage is not all about sex. And if you build your marriage on the sand, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when it will crash. Buying into the lies of our spiritual enemy. There's a second lie that our spiritual enemy tells us. He whispers in our ears, what you have is not enough. The Bible says back in Proverbs chapter 5 and verse 3, it says, for the lips of an adulteress drip honey. They're, they're sweet. They're enticing. It looks so good. And her speech is smoother than, than all. Her speech is cunning. His speech is sweet, lovely, wonderful. And many people get enticed into an affair because they think they're missing out. On something. They, they see this, this, this adulteress who's dripping like honey, and they, they hear this smooth speech, smoother than, than oil, and they think they're missing out on something. And then the husband or wife begins to compare their spouse to other people. It's a dangerous thing to play the compare game. Very dangerous thing. The old saying is so true. A bird in hand is better than two in the bush. That's what the old folks used to say. A bird in hand is better than, than two in the bush. And yet many couples buy into this lie and they start thinking that the two birds in the bush are better than the bird I already have. And you know why couples do this? You know why so many married couples play the compare game and they think the two birds in the bush is better than the bird they already have? Because married couples, we see one another, we see our spouse at their worst. We see all their faults. We see all their struggles. And then we turn and we compare our spouse to somebody that we see primarily at their very best. We, we see our spouse. We see her with her moo-moo on, her curlers all in her hair, her pack of stuff all on her face to make it look pretty and all going to bed looking like 
Goma Powell, Shazam, my Lord. And then we want to compare her to the girl at work who looks like a million bucks because she's presenting her very, very best. And we start playing the compare game. And couples start thinking things like this. The lady may start thinking, well, I just wish he would talk to me more. And I just wish he would meet my emotional needs and just, just talk to me more. I tell you, old Phil at work, he just loves to talk. He just listens to me. I wish he was more like Phil. Well, you know, I just wish my wife would make love to me more. I wish she'd spice it up a little bit. I mean, I heard another girl at work talking about her, 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 her life, her sex life with her husband. And I tell you, it sounds like they have a, I wish my wife was more like, like her. I just wish he was more romantic. I just wish he'd buy me some flowers more often. I wish he would, would buy me chocolates. And I just, I tell you, old Phil at work, he always talking about how he's buying his lady chocolates and flowers. I sure wish he was just more romantic. You know, you know what I wish? I just wish he'd take a shower three times a week. I mean, always thinking and wanting to touch me, just smelling like. I tell you something, I wish he'd take a shower every once in a while. And you know, I, I just... I just wish that she looked like she did when I first married her. She done changed a lot since I, I mean, I wish, I wish it was, she looked like, because the girl at work, I'm telling you what, she's looking. I'm, and, and we played this compare game and start buying into the spiritual lies of our enemy. And here's the deal. You don't really realize what you have until it's gone. Uh, you don't you don't really really appreciate the water in the well until the well runs dry, and what you find out, you go hook up with them. They got problems too. Ah, uh, they've been you've been saying the perfect thing about them, and you find out that their poo poo stinks too. I said that in church. That's right. Yes, I did. And we start buying into the lie of our spiritual enemy. What I have is not enough. There's a third lie that our spiritual enemy feeds us constantly, and that is this. This will never happen to me. It'll never happen to me. I've seen many couples who, who believe this. I could never have an affair. This could never happen to my marriage. And because they, they believe this, they don't put the proper steps in place to prevent an affair. They're just lackadaisical about it because they think they buy into the lie of the enemy. This could never happen to us. And, and the writer of Proverbs says back in chapter 5 and, and verse number 7 and 8, he says, Now then, my sons, listen to me. I love his emphasis here. Listen. you got to listen. Pay careful attention to me. Do not turn aside. From what I say, keep to a path far from her. Notice that don't don't play around with it. Don't flirt around with this situation. He says, get to a path far, far from her. Do not go near the door of her house. Notice the Bible says, it doesn't say do not go in the house. It says don't even go near, not near the door of her house. You see, most married couples don't live by this scripture. Most married couples live so close to the line that they have no room for error. You see, most couples draw a line of the sand, and their line is right here. Their line is, you know what, I just don't want to have sex with somebody who's not my spouse. 
Their line is, I don't want to have a physical, inappropriate relationship with somebody who's not my spouse. And they teeter-totter on this line. And the the book of Proverbs says, no, 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 no. you got to get far away from the path. You don't teeter-totter on the line. What you have to do is see that line? you got to take three steps. And then you draw the line. It says stay far away from the path. Don't go near the door of the house. You see, it's like driving a car. If you're a good driver, you don't see how close you can get to the middle line without getting hit. Oh, Pastor, when I drive, I just go over the line a little bit, kind of see. Oh, I almost got hit. Not that time. Woo. I, oh, that's I, Listen, if you drive like that, you're either drunk or you're stupid. That's it. I mean, that's the two options. Because no, nobody, you, you don't drive like that. That's, that's crazy. That's ludicrous to see how far you can teeter-totter over the line and as close as you can get to the line without getting hit. That is not smart driving. Nobody does that with their life when, when they're driving in a car. But yet we play with our marriages like that. And let's see how close I can get to the line without falling over and having a fair. That's crazy. The Bible says, no, you get as far away from it as possible. And, and what I like about driving is when you drive down the freeway, they have those, 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 rubble, those rubble strips on the side of the road. And you start driving and swerve a little bit. You, your tire hit them and it go. Anybody else hit those rubble strips besides me? Huh? I got to hit those rubble strips. I mean, it, it's a warning. You're about to kill yourself or get back in the middle. It's a warning. That's why. And you know where many couples live? They live on the rubble strips. I hadn't had a fair yet. But you're so close. Oh, I know what the Bible says. No. Get far away from the rubble strips. You're playing with fire. And if you play with fire long enough, you will get. You'll get burned. You'll get burned. The Bible says stay far away from the path. Don't go near the door of her house. Let me share with you some some rubble strip principles that my wife and I have put in place. We stay far away. We don't want to, 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 to drift away from our vows to one another. Here's some principles that I would encourage every married couple to put in place. The first thing is this. Never be alone with the opposite sex. You just don't do it. I, I, I live by that. I don't drive in the car alone with the opposite sex. I'm not going to be alone in a room with the opposite sex. If, 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 my, if my assistant's in the office, all doors are open. And everybody else is there too. Amen. We ain't, we, there's no be gonna be alone and the door closed. No, not, 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 not me. And you say, well, Herbert, I work for a company that, that permits that and they send us on trips. Listen, I would encourage you to do everything that you can not to put yourself in that situation. Do everything, everything you can not to put yourself, to be, not to be alone with the opposite sex. Stay, stay, the Bible says stay far away from the path that will lead to an adulterous relationship. There's a second thing that I would encourage you to do is only talk positive about your marriage with the opposite sex. I mean, the quickest way to get yourself in trouble is is to go and start talking negative about your spouse to somebody else. And here you are as a man talking about your wife to this lady. Well, you know, I tell you, my wife's on my last nerves. Burnt dinner last night. She just frustrating me. I tell you what. Oh, she is. 
She's, she's frustrating you. There's a third thing I would encourage you to do. No friends of the opposite sex. When my wife and I got married, I got rid of my friends of the opposite sex, and she got rid of her friends of the opposite sex. I mean, that's, that's playing with fire. I, I love the drama they put on where she said, you know, we'll, we'll be married and be faithful to one another. But now one thing about it, I got to be, stay friends with my ex-boyfriend because we're just really good friends. No. That, that, that's danger. That's living on rubble strips. That, 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 that's not being far away from, from the path. There's a fourth thing that, that I would encourage you to do to, to safeguard your marriage is know each other's passwords, Facebook, emails, whatever other technology you have. And I see some of you rolling your eyes at me right now. I can't believe. Know my password. <laughs> what do you have to hide? My, 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 wife, knows, my wife knows my passwords. I, I know her passwords. On, on my Facebook account, my, my wife can get on anytime she wants. Matter of fact, most of our staff can get on my Facebook. They're on about as much as I'm on, you know what I mean? I, they answer stuff for me and take care of me. It, I don't have anything to hide. And, and when you start having secrecy, now, I, I'm not saying you're doing anything wrong, but I'm just saying. <laughs> There's a, a, a fifth thing I would I would, I would encourage you to do, my wife and I, we, we live by, by, by this, is control your thought life. Adultery begins in the mind and the heart. In the mind and the heart. The Bible says this in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 28. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully, not, not, not touches her, not, not has an inappropriate physical relationship. No, if you just look at him, if you just look at her lustfully, he has already committed adultery with her in his Heart adultery begins with a look, a lustful look. It begins in the mind and in the heart, and you got to control your thought life. The, the fourth lie our spiritual enemy feeds us is this: this will turn out great. It'll turn out great. I mean, this she's she's so awesome. He's he's everything I've always wanted, and I I know I made these vows, but I, but this is this is this is going to be great. I know for everybody else it didn't work out good, but I'm telling you, this is going to be trouble-free. It's going to be great. And friends, hear me. When someone has an affair, everything doesn't turn out great. There is always damage that follows an affair. There are always negative consequences that follow an affair. You can just look at some of the athletes of our day, and they could testify to this. Some who have been in the media recently would testify and they would say, you know what? There's been a lot of damage that's happened because of my affair. There's there's some politicians today that have been in the news in recent months who who could testify that there's a lot of damage that's happened. There's some celebrities that could testify there's a lot of damage that's that's taken place. There, There are some normal, regular, everyday people that can testify that there's been some major damage that's happened because I wasn't faithful to my wedding vows I made to my spouse. 
And and what the Bible drives home here in chapter 5 is is it drives home how things will not just turn out great. And and I want you to hear how what the Scripture says in Proverbs 5 regarding having an affair. It says, Proverbs 5 and verse number 4, it says, But in the end... She may be pretty, he may be handsome, he may say the right things, and he, 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 she, she may be uh, prettier and meeting your needs, and he, he may be meeting your emotional needs, and you feel like, oh, this is love at first sight, and oh, my spouse, I wish my spouse was like this person. But, but in the end, she is bitter as, as gall, sharp as a double-edged sword. In, in other words, it's not going to all turn out great. Her feet go down to death. Her steps lead straight to the grave. She doesn't no, gives no thought to the way of her life. Her paths are crooked, but she knows it not. And all the Bible is simply saying is everything's not going to turn out great. Proverbs chapter 5, it goes on to say in verse number 9, Lest you give your best strength to others and your years to one who is cruel. Let strangers feast on your wealth and your toll enrich another man's house. At the end of your life, you will groan. When your flesh and body are spent, you will say how I hated discipline, how my heart spurned correction. I will not obey my teachers or listen to my instructors. I would not listen and heed the word of God. I bought into Hollywood principles. I have come to the brink of utter ruin in the midst of the whole assembly. Everything's not going to turn out great. Proverbs chapter 5 and verse 22 goes on to say, The evil deeds of a wicked man ensnare him. The cords of his sin hold him fast. He will die for lack of discipline, led astray by his own great folly. Everything's not going to turn out. Turn out great. And, and the next time you're, you're dreaming about this other person and you're dreaming about, you know what, my spouse is not enough for me. The next time you're, you're dreaming and you're thinking to yourself, you know what, I'm missing out on something. Instead of dreaming about the other person, instead of dreaming about the affair you could have, just start dreaming about the consequences that would take place if, if you had the affair. And, and I've actually done that several times. I, I've said, and I've thought about what would happen if I wasn't faithful to my wife and to the vows I've made to her before God. Here's, here's what I see. My wife of over 12 years, who's given her life to be my partner, my lover, the mother of our kids, I would hurt her. I would crush her. I would lose the trust that I have gained with her over the 12 plus years of our, of our marriage. I could actually jeopardize my marriage to her. I would devastate my kids. My, my kids have so much faith in me. They believe in me and, and daddy and have so much confidence in me as a, as a dad, as a husband, as a, as a, as a godly man. And, and I would devastate my kids. I, I would hurt my church family. There, there, are, there are many of you that would be hurt if I wasn't faithful to my, my vows to my wife. Some of you, maybe you're new to the Lord. Some of you could possibly even walk away from, from God. Ah, oh, I knew this Christianity stuff, just oh, I know all these preachers and I just a sham and I just I'm, and 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 you could walk away from the Lord. I I, I sit and I I've thought about what what this would look like. I I would bring shame to the cause of Christ. I would drag God's name through the mud. 
I, I, I've thought about this. I, I would lose everything that I've worked for for almost 35 years of my life. I, I, I would lose my reputation. I would lose my character. I would lose the ministry and the influence that I have to speak into thousands of people's lives. I, I would lose everything for a few selfish moments. And I just go, you know what? It is not worth it. And I just ask you, would you, would you just the next time, the next time you're tempted, would you just sit around and dream about the consequences? Because I can tell you, it won't all turn out great. Number, number five, number five, there's a fifth lie I, I want to share with you today. Number five is this, the spiritual enemy whispers in your ear, it's too late to save your marriage. It's, it's too late. You might as well give up. There, there's been too much damage. You, you, you've hurt one another. You've broken trust. You just, just divorce, give up. It, it's way too late. And friends, I, I want to speak to some married couples today, and, and your marriage may seem like it's at the point of no return. You're, you're, you're here today, and you may feel like there's no hope for your marriage. And I want to offer you some, some biblical advice today. Today. Not, not tomorrow, today, start investing in your marriage. Today, start rebuilding trust. And, and I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but today, you make the commitment in your heart that you're going to build trust again. Today, start forgiving your spouse. And, and I'm not saying it's, it's the easiest process, but today, you settle in your heart, I'm going to offer my spouse forgiveness. Today, start falling in love with your spouse all over again by doing the things you used to do. Invest in your marriage. The, the scripture says this in Proverbs chapter 5 and verse 15. It says, drink water from your own well. Invest in your marriage. Share your love only with your wife. Why spill the water of your springs in the streets having sex with just anyone? You should reserve it for yourselves between you and your spouse. Invest in your marriage. Never share it with strangers. Let your wife be a fountain of blessing. And right now, your marriage may not seem like a blessing but I want to remind you that all things are possible with God. He can turn it around. He can breathe life into a dying marriage. He can restore your relationship. Let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. Re invest in your marriage. She is a loving dear, a graceful doe. Let her breast satisfy you always. May you always be captivated by her love. And right now, you may not be very captivated. Right now, there may not be very much love, but you make the commitment that you're going to invest in your marriage, no matter how broken it may seem. Start investing in your marriage. Pastor, I don't feel like it. It's not about feelings. Start investing in your marriage now. And listen, one day the feelings will follow, but you got to start watering your own grass if it's going to ever grow. Invest in your marriage. I, I want to say this as I close. If you're going to save your marriage, you must get on fire for God. You, you must. It's imperative that you fall in love with Jesus and get on fire for, for God. The scripture says in Proverbs 5 and verse 21, at the very, towards the very end of Proverbs 5, the writer says, For a man's ways are in full view of the Lord, and he examines all his paths. 
the writer brings us back to God. And he says, I want you to know God is watching. God, God cares for you. God loves you. He, he's, he's examining you. He says, man, don't forget about God. You fall in love with Jesus. You get on, get on fire for God. Can I tell you, when you're on fire for God, it's hard to be on fire for sin. But, but you got to get on fire for God. You, you got to yield it all to him. You got to yield the broken pieces and, and the hurt and, and the pain and, and, and the marriage seems like it's in shambles and it can't work out. But God, I yield it to you. I yield my life to you. As a couple, you're here today and, and, and there's lack of trust and, and there's hurt and there's bitterness. God, we yield to you today. We're going to seek you. We're going to get on fire for you, Lord. We know that you're able to restore and to heal. Lord, thank you that you're a God of grace and mercy and forgiveness. And perhaps you're here and you, you've blown it and, and you had an affair and, and the marriage ended and, and you're here and you say, Herbert, what do I do? Thank God for grace, Lord. I receive your grace and mercy. I receive your forgiveness. And Lord, I'm committed that, Lord, if you allow me to get married again, I'm not going to build it on the sand. I'm going to build it on the rock. I'm going to honor you, God. I sell my my life out to you. Get on fire for God. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your presence.